So welcome to another episode of Women Who Should Be Famous. And today we are going to be talking about a new way of living. And I welcome in a wonderful woman called Dr. Magdalena Baku. And in choosing a day for this conversation, actually Magdalena gave me a choice of days, giving each day an intention. And I chose a Thursday and Thursday was represented by expansion. So look forward to an expanded conversation today with us. Now, we actually met in 2016. We met at a strategy session. We were, you know, entrepreneurially traveling through the world. Um, and this is a coaching business, the key person of influence that connected us. And we actually exchanged services. And I offered Magdalena a facial in my aromatherapy clinic. And in return, I received a deep transformational session. And I was invited to set an intention that day as well. And I look back on my notes and my intention was that I chose to be sure that I'm following a heart-led ambitious and have a very small step towards my goal, my global goal. And I was taught a technique right back then that I followed up with and really does work. Um, and then in my second session where I had a huge shift and it was from this moment that I felt very connected with Magdalena, even though we haven't always spoken every day, um, I felt very connected because she unearthed my pressure, the pressure that I put upon myself and where it came from, that pressure to achieve. And in that session, I actually had very strong visuals um, that came forth to me and really helped to understand myself much more deeply. And at the end of that session, Magdalena asked me to look in the mirror. Now, when anyone asks you to look in the mirror, it's quite confronting. Um, and what did I see? Well, I saw me but I really saw me. I looked exhausted. I looked like I'd aged 20 years. I was tired and I was burned out. And that really seeing myself was a moment of shift. I knew that I couldn't continue on that path without doing some work behind the scenes. So it created a really immediate change for me and I've remained connected and I've watched Magdalena. I've had the privilege of watching Magdalena for the last seven years. And she has a very strong voice and I feel there is something coming forward and I hope that we can capture that little thing coming forward, her mission, her passion today in this conversation. And that passion to show us a new way of living. So on that note, Magdalena, can we tap into the word living? I love language and I know that words can mean so many different things to different people. You know, what does living mean to you and really what connection does it bring forth? For me, the word living, first and foremost, thank you for having me here today. I'm so honored and so excited about our conversation. It's a pleasure. And I treasure the moment we met many years ago. Yeah, the word living. What it means to me, it's like what we do between the birth and death. <laughs> everything that we experience so the way we relate with events situations how we navigate this thing we call life even though we always hear that life is eternal but just our journey here it's um has uh, it's limited by birth and death but what we do in between these two major moments of our existence uh, this is what i would call living how we navigate our life, how we make decisions, how we um, navigate emotions, how we relate with things, 
people, situations, how we experience ourselves. So basically our experience between birth and death is what I would yeah. say. Yeah, absolutely. And, and kind of what connection does it bring you when you think about that awareness between those two ends, if you like, of, of, of being born and, and passing away? What, what does it really, what connection does that part bring you? For me, it's, um, it feels that having some depth or having some awareness about this, what is happening between the moment of birth and death, being more aware, having some pointers or having a different way of looking at it could make a huge impact in our journey here. And what is important, why is this important to me? It's because I feel that life is such a precious gift mm -hmm. and it's such a unique gift. And sometimes because this experience we have here, it's so ridden with uh, worries, with basically not knowing how to navigate this. It can really limit us and it can really turn out to be an experience that it's weighing us and it's actually not allowing us to connect with the height of the human experience mm. so so true and it's it's interesting we're both physically when we're saying being born and passing away we're, we're both using quite a small space aren't we like physically we're both going <laughs> like yes, yes so in honor honor of thursday i ought to expand it out <laughs> yes because there so are so many layers to this it's so many yes. layers to this. this is our inner world is the outside world, is the world of our perception that actually dictates how much and how we connect with reality, is the depths of understanding, is the heights and the expansion of our imagination. And to be able to harness all of that, I would say that is like mastering living, it's to be able to really tap into the depths and the width and the expansion of all of that and um, harness that to lift our experience in this space. Yeah. Because otherwise it feels like this. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, I have to, I feel like I have to expand it out yes. because it, you know, yes, yeah. I, I think sure. putting parameters on it almost, it feels, you know, short. And, and then that in itself could maybe create some worry. So so if we were to shift our thinking onto to sort of a, that the full name of the podcast, which is a new way of living. You know, new way. What, what what ways do you think that we absolutely crucially you know need to change? And what do you think we maybe ought to be considering? Or is there a sense of actually we just need to return, you know, to what we we used to do as a, a human existence? Um, is there a more of a returning, or is there some things that we actually just need to shift forward and do in a different new way? Maybe will you allow me to share where is this all started? Because it yeah, has a it has a seed. Mm. So basically it started a long time ago. I was a small child and I must not have been more than three years old because I remember our kitchen table was quite low. And at the time when I had these thoughts, it was this much higher than me. So I was quite <laughs> short. <laughs> so at that time it started, like it started with me witnessing first my parents and then the people in my immediate vicinity. We are so blessed in Romania where we live, like, even though we, we not really call it the community, but the people in that 
you know, surroundings. We live so close that it is like a community. So I had the blessing to observe my parents and also my neighbors and my relatives. And as a small child, I could really see people a bit like cotton candy, you know, like the person and then the worries. So I could yes. notice that my parents were not there. Mm. And as a child, I always felt like I, I wanted to shake them out of their worries. I didn't know that they are, those are worries. I didn't have a name for them, but I noticed they were just somewhere else. Mm. So, and I didn't want to shake them to wake them up to this moment because I needed attention. I just mm. wanted like almost like tell them, hey, look, this is good. It's, it's amazing what you have here. So, yes. and then growing up, I also saw my parents being very worried about their jobs and how the boss is going to perceive what they do. And this really didn't sit well with me. I was like growing up, I didn't have all the experience of the world or so many books to read about awareness, consciousness, and so on. But it felt to me like I want to discover something. I want to find a solution that this will not take place anymore. Because it, I just it's so painful to see your parents growing up that they are so um, ridden by fear and worries. That yeah. it's like just worry, worry, worry. And there is no space for just to relax and to be present and enjoy life. So mm. for me, my search started long time ago. And um, I was blessed at some point, trials and tribulations and my own challenges in my life to really find that there is a different way to connect this life and living. And this, the way I will introduce it, it's in contrast with what is still unfortunately very widespread in the world, living from survival. Yeah. You know, we, we live from survival when we are animated by living from survival, we are making decisions and we are moving around based on our perception, our limiting beliefs, our fears, basically. So survival is fueled by fear and there is no end to it. Why is that? Because when we start doing a strategy or we have, um, we have a plan to execute, but the plan is because we are afraid, then the result of that, it's only going to reinforce the fear. We're not going to support us to come out of this because we started from fear. <laughs> so the new way of living, what is this and how can we access this? This is nothing else but us remembering, like you said, and reconnected with our own natural gifts and talents, with our own heart, with our own soul, and remembering that that is truly important to us mm. and living from a space of love. So if in survival, this uh, our old decision-making is fueled by fear, not enough money, I can't pay the rent, I need to pay the mortgage, I need to make the ends meet, I need to you know, fix my health, I need to take this pill, I need to run somewhere, I need to ask some advice because I don't have it. All of that is just never ending. And there will be no solution to that. We mm. keep running like there will be sometime a solution. But if we witness generations in our families or even in the world, there is no out of this. By doing more of it, it's not going to come out. <laughs> just like it's just not going to come out of it. But when we switch to living from what is called the creative orientation, living from the heart, mm. um, 
being fueled by what we love, by our passion, by how we would love to contribute, by what would we love to create, then we stop engaging so much our survival instincts and we start engaging our higher faculties. So mm. our creativity, our imagination, our intuition. And I know that in our society, um, even being labeled as a creative sometimes is not really a good yes. word. <laughs> <laughs> So, Another word with interpretation. <laughs> so, um, and even when you say living from the heart and so on, people sometimes say like, oh, this is all good and nice, but how do I pay my rent? Yes. So there is still this um, dance, but the new way of living, it's really engaging into higher, you know, claiming our humanness. Because there is this dance, you know, between the, the animal part of us and the human part of us. Mm -hmm. And we just experienced the full moon in Sagittarius. And I was just laughing about this because the Sagittarius is half horse, half human. Yes, so it's so just true. coming out of that into the verticality. And if you look at the, you know, at the Centaurus, you know, there's half horse. The horse is like, you see, it's like the body is like on the horizontal level. That's so right. Having, no having, having, not having, good enough, not good enough. You know, it's just all of this. Yeah. Okay. And when we, when we raise up into the human, naturally we, as humans, like you notice that the human stands up. The animals are horizontal, but the human stands up. So we're accessing our vertical dimension and we're reaching out. We become a pole between the heaven and the earth, between the sky and the earth. And we have the ability to to, to really raise up our thoughts, our existence, ask different questions. It's mm. so simple, like this shift in orientation between the old type of living, the common type of living, and this different type of living, the new way of living. It's even about asking different questions rather than, you know, why is this happening to me? Asking ourselves, like, what would I love to contribute with right now? How would I love to to create right now what would bring the most fulfillment in this moment right now so just like shifting and, and starting rewiring our mind our physiology our biology in order mm. to align and attune to a higher way of um being here and communing yes and that's such a lovely description i love that sagittarius mean and, and actually thinking about like that that's a really lovely visual of like you say rising and we're going to get to talking about how you've risen from some huge challenges in your life but I do want to stick with that kind of connecting you know with who you are and your you know your journey and you mentioned Romania your your birthplace yeah. and you know but you've also worked in eight countries as well so you have expanded your um I guess presence and experience of different countries which I think personally is very very important and your career has been filled with research, innovation, and coaching now under the umbrella of the Superconscious Living uh, International. Can you kind of walk us through your sort of career, your study, and how really it all feeds into what you do now? Yes. So my journey has two layers, is the personal journey and is the professional journey. Of course. Yes. On the professional journey, I have been in research for about 10 years. I came to the UK doing for my PhD and then I continue. 
I was blessed to lead very powerful projects and always like what was the red line of my whole career since I started basically was to work interdisciplinary and to bring together disciplines and people who have completely different background and different orientation and to support them come together, have a, a similar language, understand each other and start creating from there. And this never stopped. Like during my PhD, when I started, I choose a topic that in the end, I end up having two PhD supervisors, the head of biology, the head of material science, and also working with a lady who was um, in pharmacology. So always bringing disciplines together. Yeah. Um, when I uh, led my postdoc time in Imperial College in London, also we were working with the big pharmaceutical industry, also with people from clinicians and also people from the university. So always bringing things together that have not been brought together before. And this connected again, like when I was in, um, in the corporate world, I started my journey there with innovation and was again, working with designers, working with, um, industry designers with architects. My job was to support um, a different way to create um, luminaries. So at the time was the transition between the normal light bulb and the LEDs. And mm -hmm. I was supporting creating different ways of us experiencing light and different design for that. So, but even in the company where I worked, I enabled communication between departments that normally they didn't communicate each other and they were able to assess and analyze materials um, in different ways. And that led, led to new materials. So that, like, that was like my, let's say my, the thing that is like the red line in all of this and the communication. So more than mm -hmm. what I study was the communication and more than what I learned specifically, because my projects were very interesting in research was stemming from anesthetics and barbiturates and, and medicines that are used in that way, also going to antidepressants and looking at this from the side effects point of view. Now I'm on the yes. other side. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so it's just all connecting. And, but the, the, the thread of all of this was enabling communication. And as you started, sometimes we use words and we mean different things using the same word. And sometimes we use different words and it may look like we are not on the same page, but we mean the same yeah. thing. Yeah. So this was the, another uh, red line of, of, this, uh, of my career. And I thoroughly enjoy this. And I thoroughly enjoy like something that applied all the time, it was, looking somewhere where maybe hasn't been, nobody been there before, because in research, you try to peek beyond what is known. And this is very exciting in a way. And it's a very humbling experience. You have to leave your shoes at the door. Everything you know, you have to leave at the door and you need to be humble enough to, um, you know, to open the door and, and see what you see. You may not be able to see anything because you need to use different machines to be able to see and the machines may not be in the range of what you're looking at and now in the consciousness coaching and work is the same thing we are not able to access things we can access only through our perception through our senses and we have mm -hmm. the mind yeah. our human mind not the the there are different levels of the mind, but we just speak about the, the, the human mind, the, the brain that we access. 
So we cannot really access reality beyond that. So again, like it's trying to access that that is beyond with what we have and trying to uh, attune our perception in a way that we can see beyond our limitation, beyond what is known and to access that that is always there and can offer us a different way to look at things that may be the answer for what we're looking at. So this is this the, the red line between everything I did more than specific projects is just what yes. is behind that, a way mm -hmm. to probe and to enter the unknown with humility. Because if you, this is another thing that determined me to do the work that I do right now, because I noticed in science, I noticed when I was in the corporate world, sometimes there are very powerful, very wise, very brave, very influential people. Um, but if they are fueled by the need to be right, if they feel afraid that they may fail, then their range of reaching into the unknown and finding those answers is quite limited because it's always tainted by the fear. Mm. You know, if I look for something, but I need to control what I found in order to take care of my fear, I'm not able to see what is really there. It's the same like meeting somebody. If I meet somebody, but I'm afraid this person may not be truthful. I'm afraid this person may not be loyal. Then I look at them in a certain way and I will test them in a certain way. Most of the time they will fail because we will do this self-fulfilling prophecy. So this is like the, this, the red line. And then from the professional uh, point of view, then from the personal point of view, it's, it's very beautiful because it's, a, it's like a hero journey in itself. Like I started uh, this life and I knew I'm an artist because I know my food is art. <laughs> yes. Now I can have everything, but if I'm not able to be in nature, nature mm -hmm. is my first point of contact. If I'm not able to be in nature, if I'm not able to connect with music, with arts, with painting, with, you know, opera, with ballet, with, uh, with um, you know, different ways of or just... Uh, cool. I just lost connection with you there, Magdalena. I think we're back together. Yeah. So I was saying that if I don't have art in my life, I know this, um, that at some point I will wither and I will just, uh, you know, start being burned out and being uninspired and not being able to access this energy that it's me. Mm -hmm. So I know my food is art. But when mm -hmm. I started school, because I, I was misunderstood by my teacher, I was getting low marks for my paintings and my writings. Me too. <laughs> Um, and I was so yes. afraid because at home, <laughs> at home, the situation was a bit like uh, um, heightened, let's say. <laughs> and I didn't want to contribute to what was going on at home. I said, I don't want to give another reason to have loud discussions. Right. And I was so afraid of that. I, I have decided to take on the exact science route. Mm -hmm. So what do I mean by exact science? in terms of literature, grammar, in terms of uh, exact sciences like math and then physics and chemistry, like, because then, you know, you learn, you get the right answer, you can't, it cannot be misinterpreted. 
So <laughs> I have hide myself in science. Science have been my safe haven for a very long time. Yeah. I hid the artist behind the science. And it's no question, I do have a scientific brain, but it's not all of me. So mm -hmm. the, the red line in terms of personal journey, coming into working with people and, and supporting people to connect this life and living in a different way that they could mm -hmm. really access natural fulfillment and natural joy. It's also mm -hmm. me coming full circle and coming into my own true self. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's almost like that we, we feel that maybe we have to follow a path that has a label. And it's something that, you know, for many years, I was a beauty therapist um, for many years, aromatherapist. And, and that's how people saw me for so many years. So when I ventured off and started to explore myself and get to know myself a little bit, and like you say, this creative side come out of you, I didn't have a word for it. Yeah. You know, on LinkedIn, I, I, there is no title for me. There is no label that I can give myself. So it's interesting that you talk about almost hiding under a, a guise, if you like, you know, like you say, it's still part of you. You do have a deep thinking mind, a scientific mind, but there is more to you. Yeah. What, what do you think about sort of labels and do you, do you have a label for yourself? I, I know that we perhaps talked about transformational coach and higher yeah. living, you know, all these things. Do you have a label for it or do you actually just find yourself fitting between lots of different things? I'm so <laughs> you mentioned this. This has been one of my problems. Like I for a long time, I didn't know how to call myself yes. because I don't I, I know what I do. I know the transformation I create in people's lives. But mm -hmm. I don't know how to label myself because if I label myself a life coach, it's not really doing right. I don't really feel inclined to label myself as a healer because I don't think anybody's broken. I just feel mm -hmm. that we are confused and we may have like the wrong uh, directions, but it's mm -hmm. not like nobody's um, broken or, or sick because if that would be the case, we would not be able to transcend that. The healing only happens because there is nothing to heal. <laughs> in essence <laughs> so i do have um, a hard time um putting putting a label on what i do so yes. um but i the last thing that i was like okay i also people gave me the feedback if i call myself a life transformation coach is scary yes. <laughs> okay high fine. expectations something <laughs> and now it's too scary okay so yeah, it's just, uh, I think we just need to, uh, from my point of view, I'm just flying with it. And sometimes I tell people, how would you call me? And they're like, yes. oh, I think you're a, you're a mind coach. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I am today. <laughs> and, and I find myself just saying, I'm just Claire Billiard. Like how I show up day to day, morning to evening, you know, what, what I do exactly. constantly, that, like you say, that there's, a, there's an action I have for sure in the world as you do but there is no label to that and yeah. it, you know and we, and as we know with language as we started this conversation language can be interpreted in yes. so many ways but there's a, another element to your um sort of career and study around living in and working in different countries could you perhaps um spend a little time there as to what you feel being in those different places around the world may have offered you yes definitely before I go there, I really wanted to honor what you said, because this is very much the part of new way of living to honor your own essence. 
without labels because labels got us many times in trouble so i really want to take this moment <laughs> to really honor you for coming up with this i'm just uh, you know I'm just glad <laughs> and then this is me and this is so powerful so thank you for for sharing that and thank you so now going into um living in different places so yes i love people i love people i love to connect with people from different um areas from different countries from different backgrounds for different ways of living it's just uh, i just really love to do this i'm naturally curious and i'm i'm just um exciting to meet people that is um, and and now i have the blessing to also work with indigenous elders so it's just very exciting to do this and um in a way like life and career brought me in in many countries and collaborating with different people i lived in five countries um and it's like everything brought a different dimension to me i learned from from everyone something so it made me the person that i am today and it's very i feel it's very important uh, like People say traveling is the best university. It's very powerful when when um, connecting with people from different cultures and and trying to communicate because it's more than the language that we try to communicate. Is try to communicate across traditions, try to communicate across ways of thinking, culture, mm -hmm. and then that is very enriching. I feel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you that I, that's something that is really important to me. I put it in my intention when we first met back in 2016 that the global bit was really important to me. Yes. And I think it's because also when you're talking to people, you know, often across the other side of the world, that that, that, that you could have so much in common yes. with someone that is so far away from you, but is so connected. And I, I, it does help me to feel very connected exactly. to the world, aware of the world, aware that there are people, like you say, living in different ways having different traditions different ways that they walk through life but yet you could have so much in common that really fascinates me have you had that experience yourself exactly exactly it's 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 very fascinating sometimes you know you meet somebody like i met a friend of mine is he's a ranger in the bush in africa and with this person i had an instant connection and we are mm -hmm. still connected and it's just incredible to see there is this depth of heart and, and you are, we are more alike than not. Yes. <laughs> it's just incredible. <laughs> and, and on the other side, what this connection brought to me, I, I got something for, from every tradition, like whatever like resonated with me. I'm like, oh, I love to do this. It's just such an incredible tradition. So I also implemented this in my life. So I, I do different things because I learn from the people I live with. And, yeah. And at the same time, having said that, I have never, ever felt like a foreigner in the world. It's, mm. it's just like, I think people are such complex beings and, and meeting people, it's more just, uh, it has nothing to do with different countries or different languages. It's just like, it's just getting to meet each other in different spaces and um yeah, it's, it's just this beauty of connection, as you said, and, and finding out that what we have in common, it's much more than what we don't. And then what yes, we don't have great. in common, it's so enriching when we bring it together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we touched on rising. I loved your kind of really visual around the Sagittarius moon 
Um, and you've had to rise through some very personal challenges. Um, I think, I guess, starting with Lyme disease, which I'm, I'm sure was a, a massive part and, and continues to be part of your journey in some way, shape or form, but also suffering with insomnia, anxiety, eating disorders. Um, you also mentioned a heart condition, depression and debilitating OCD. And something OCD is something that's uh, come forward for me um, of recent, but also that's alongside a breakdown of a marriage cheating, bullying, you even talk about severe discrimination. I mean, these are incredibly strong experiences. Could you share how you rose like out of something like that? And of course, those things will continue to be with you. They're part of your journey. But how did you rise from those experiences? I wish I would say, oh, because I'm (laughs) special and because special powers. No, I, I have to say, like, how did I rise and how did I find a way to leverage on that and, and come out of this? I think, to be really honest, even the thoughts that I have, I think it's just up to grace. <laughs> because I don't want to make anybody feel if they don't have the tools and they were not able to rise yet, that they are less than me or you or another person. It's just grace. And maybe I rose because I'm supposed to support others to rise. I don't know. I know that it's not just for myself because that would be too small. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, like what I noticed when I look back, because I had to analyze this, I noticed that I heal from conditions that sometimes people say there is no um, healing from that or it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I noticed, for example, because the closest is the Lyme disease. I noticed the moment that I got the diagnostic or they, I didn't even go, yeah, they told me that they found this. I didn't spend one more minute to see how bad it is, Mm -hmm. how worse it can get. I've never spent one second on that. All I thought is like, how can I just come out of this? So, and everything for me was like, I didn't identify with that. I didn't take it on as a label. And I remember the same with OCD. I was having severe OCD. Uh, Part of it, half of that time, I didn't even know what OCD is. And at some point I heard about OCD and I was like, oh, I think that sounds familiar. I I was like, (laughs) oh, that sounds like me. Okay. It's serious. Okay. It was so severe. I was working in the corporate world at the time and I was sleeping three hours a night. I was in a very high level position. The stress was maximum, was like also like really some really big sabotage and a lot of unnecessary other stressors. Because for me, the hard work never got me uh, in trouble physically or mentally because I love work. I get so excited. I get so much energy. I'm blessed to have so much energy. I always love what I do. Yes. So that would not have been a problem. I had other times when I slept very less um, for short periods of time. But what happened at that time with the OCD was so severe. Like I was at work and I was thinking like, oh, I think I left the fridge open. Or then, mm-hmm. oh, I, I think I left my um, cooker on. And I had times when I went from work home to check. You know, yes. you think that it's quite 
far to do that. Yes. But last time it happened very strongly was I was going to work. I was living in a flat in Cologne, fourth floor without a lift. So Mm -hmm. I just mentioned this because you just need to go on foot up and down four four levels of stairs. So I came downstairs to go to the train. And then as I reached out downstairs, I was like, oh, I don't think I locked my door. And I went up the stairs back. I had high heels. I had a, a trouser suit. I was just yes. like really in this uh, high management uh, position. I was having like a lot of work that day and meetings and so on. Yes. And I did this four times. The first wow. time when I came downstairs, my heels hooked in the last stair and I fell on my knees. My trouser ripped. I was a mess. I, I had tears running down my face. And I was like, oh, we need to fix this. Yeah. And I, it's not that I don't ask for help, but most of my life, I didn't even know I can ask for help. Mm. You know, growing up, this was not available for me. I never saw this and that was not available to, for me. It was like, I need to sort this out. Yes. So then I confronted myself with it and I started small. I started with, with OCD, I started very small just to calm down my nervous system because I noticed that there is some sort of disturbance there. Yes. This fear starting to, and I just started, you know, creating, um, let's say, signs for me so I can make a mark about things and I could just slowly, slowly calm myself down. And yes. in a short Easy. amount of time, I came out of it. Mm-hmm. But I've never, like for most of my life, I didn't know I can ask for help. It was not that I was proud, <laughs> not so proud. <laughs> it's not that I don't, it's not that I think I know it all. I just didn't know I can ask for help. Mm. So um, this is like, I feel like the, the, the way I solved this or healed this was because I just started observing it. Again, the scientist in me was at work like, People sometimes um, neglect this. They want to get the solution. They want to fix something. But you can't fix something until you know what you're dealing with, what type of animal it is. (laughs) So for me, and and now this is all in design thinking. It's amazing. You know, design thinking, it's all about this. It's the scientific way of looking at things. What do you do as a scientist? First, you observe something from for for some time. You observe it in different ways. So for me, like the the recipe, if you want to look at it, how I was able to come out of this. First, I didn't accept it that this is me. But this was, when I look at it, I realized that. But at the time, I didn't know I'm doing this. But this was what I was doing. I've never accepted because that problem was not there before. So it was just like a guest. So I need to deal with this guest. So (laughs) I didn't accept it as me because it was not there from before. And, and then what I was doing, I was observing. I was really observing myself deeper. Like I was not even aware exactly how I was observed. But when, now when I think about it, I realize what I was doing. Like I was really observing like what I think, what I do with my body, what is the energy in my body. And I was trying to, after observing it and identifying this, then I was trying to work with that. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, even with medicine, like with Lyme disease, it was excruciating, 
painful and debilitating. And two of the people that I first shared that I got Lyme disease told me like, oh, I have uh, two friends who are in a wheelchair. And I was like, okay, that's not an option. Yes. <laughs> I told myself, okay, we can't go there. So what else? And I remember like the medicine was not working because we also, there is something very vital to understand um, about life problems, also what is called disease, illnesses and so on, disturbances. Mm -hmm. um, we heal. If we are not in a position to heal, no medicine is going to help. Like even surgery, even massage, even um, acupuncture, even medicine or naturopathic medicine, everything helps if you set yourself in a position to heal. If you are not in a position to start healing yourself, nothing is really going to work because ultimately you heal yourself. All of this support the healing. Yeah. So I hope it makes sense. And with Lyme disease for me, it was not working. Like I was taking Chinese medicine and a lot of other supplements and cleansing and whatnot, very strict diet. Yes. But I also noticed like was not working really. I was, um, the joint pain was unbearable. I couldn't even open. I had this round knobs at the door where I was living and mm -hmm. I was literally crying. I was not able to open. It was so much pain in the joints. Like it was yes. just excruciating. Things, simple things that you don't even think during the day mm -hmm. was excruciating. And I remember the turning point, like was one morning I woke up, I was in my bed sleeping face down. Anyway, I was in such pain that I literally cried to turn around. I couldn't turn around. I felt like I was run by a truck many times. <laughs> yes. And I remember sitting at the side of my bed and reflecting. I was like, okay. I always had a very uh, good lifestyle, like mm -hmm. exercise, very clean diet. Yes. Um, I was always careful about what I feed my mind with and my spirit with. And I was like, how did I, how did it happen? So it didn't happen as a result of my practice, obviously. And then I realized, okay, so if I didn't contribute to create it, then it's out of my hands. Mm. And then the next question that came to me was like, what can I do with the five, 10 minutes a day when I'm functional? And I was like, oh, I can do some yoga. I can, you know, meditate. I can go in the garden, stay in the sun. Good, let's start with that. And in that moment, that was the turning point. Wow. That's it really powerful because any sort of interpretation of Lyme disease I have, one is that it is a condition that is incredibly complex. Very complex. And, yet, and I've seen that, you know, like you say, you, you mentioned taking this, taking that. I've seen like people have cupboards full of stuff that they're taking yes, and it's almost very too. regimental. Yes. Um, but it, it seemed like almost an acceptance that it was out of your hands, that you yeah. almost couldn't battle with it. You couldn't keep, okay, you're going to give me this. I'm going to give you that back, you know? So it, yeah. it wasn't this, it, it was some sort of, I don't know. I would say, I would say surrender. Sometimes surrender. people, uh, people um, mistake surrender with capitulation. And, and this, mm. I think this is important distinction to make because when you capitulate, it's like yes. you give up. I didn't yeah. give up. Yeah. I was still doing everything I could, but I knew it's not in my hands. Yeah. Like You're finding me, a new way, a new way. Yeah, for, <laughs> for, me, it. for me, Lyme disease 
looking back and even during uh, the healing time, I realized that it was a very powerful teacher. And to be honest with you, up to this day, I don't know if Lyme disease was not there to, to support me to heal. At times during Lyme disease, I felt that whatever I experienced was always in my body, the pain, the, the sickness, and Lyme disease support me to finally take it out. I know it may sound very challenging for some people mm. but um, to hear this, but it's, it's, I wasn't sure if that whatever came up during Lyme disease was dormant in my system and mm -hmm. Lyme disease supported me to finally take it out and release it from my body. But I, I felt mostly that is the truth for me. Like a, it yeah. felt like a very powerful teacher. And I'm in many traditions, uh, including the Zulu tradition, it's uh, on the list of initiatic diseases. Mm -hmm. So with every condition that we have, there is uh, many layers. And sometimes there is a layer of us rising above that. But how do we rise above that? You know, there are different um, levels of consciousness, the victim consciousness, there is empowered consciousness, the first awakening. Yes. We are just about, yes, I have the power, I can do it. And then is the surround, uh, surrender consciousness when we realize that no matter how much we do, <laughs> it's still like something bigger at play and we can just mm -hmm. do our part and then leave the rest. Yes. And then there is enlightenment. So I can only speak about the first three. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, I, I, I have had a similar experience um, with asthma. Um, as a child, I, I was diagnosed with asthma quite young and had lots of other things before it. And, 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 and it was almost like, and my mum often tells me now, she says, I remember when they told me that you could either have a couple of years as you are, or you could have a few more if you go on to steroids. And my mum and dad chose for me to have that little bit more. And even now, like I'm 45 now, I've had seven years, I would call asthma free, no medication, nothing. Yes, I mean, I would, and yet I was told I would pass, like, you know, very young, um, that I wouldn't be here. And I have had definitely flare ups. And it's like, I've come to, and it used to make me quite angry when I was older, when it came back. So after a seven year break, I thought, yes, I'm never going to die of asthma. That, that's good. That's not my thing anymore. And then when it cropped up again, I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I thought we had a deal. <laughs> yes. And I found, my, I, found my, I found myself getting quite cross and quite angry with my lungs, with this asthma label. Hang on a minute, that's not what I'm going to die of. And it's definitely been a journey. And again, I've been nearly a year again after another flare up. I've been nearly a year again without medication, even though my doctors get very cross with me and tell me I should take it consistently so that I'm, you know, I don't have yes. these flare ups. But I have this knowing that if I care for myself in a certain way and I, I listen to myself and I show up as me, but when I drift back and go off path and do things that you know perhaps I feel I should do that's when I get ill exactly and yes. it's become stronger and stronger and stronger at least the reminders that I've had yeah they're, they're punchy they're hard I could be flawed I woman I could be running on a football pitch with my son 
the next I can't get out of bed and walk yes. between the lounge and the kitchen. It's yes. it's very debilitating. So I have had a similar experience. Um, too, and so I really it, it think that this is, like you said, on one hand, the uh, traditional medicine, you know, the Western medicine, it's like, it's based on on studies on on a group of people, but it's not mm. uh, really taking into account each individual. So each individual has different resources, different yeah. ways of uh, digesting things, different ways of experiencing things, and all of that impacts the condition. So mm. um, it, there is never one size fits all. And on another hand, I also feel like what the experience. Um, I, I really feel that there is the higher uh, part of us, like people call it the higher self or the higher octave of our expression of our uh, soul, how do you want to call it, that mm. it's really holding us accountable. Hey, you need to do this work in this world in this moment. And every time we try to, the more we try to run away, it's like bringing us back. It brings back, us yes. Back. <laughs> because at that level, it's, it's not important if we are... Um, I also grow to realize that as humans, sometimes we feel really stressed, oh, I got sick or the person died, but on the other dimension is not so important. Like, yes, the person dies, but it's not like, it's not big deal for, in the soul journey, it's not big deal if we die or if we leave, um, because it's like, it just continues. So just mm -hmm. for us, it feels like it's a big deal. And I feel yes. that especially now we are really brought, you know, we cannot escape anymore to, to play around with our gifts like the soul is like no you have to do your, your work <laughs> so so out of that magdalena do you have a, a vision you know a mission an action in the world you know when i talked at the beginning i, I feel like there's this there's something coming forward um, yes can you capture it yes and you just touched on it like i feel that my um my mission in this world is to support people to connect with life and living in a different way, in a new way that really empowers them to really connect with who they truly are and live from that space. I really feel that we come into this world with everything we need. You see, like the most flimsy seed of an oak doesn't have only one oak. It has the whole forest in it. It's a whole, it, like... It, and it doesn't need to go to school. It doesn't need somebody to tell it, oh, you're a good seed or you're a bad seed <laughs> or you're a loud seed or you're like, oh, you're disturbing seed. You know, it doesn't mm. need all of that. It already has it within. And mm. um, I feel that my mission is to support people to remember who they are. So they themselves remember their gifts, their talents. And they really reconnect with who they truly are and live from mm. that space. Mm -hmm. I also feel that another thing that I would love to, to bring to people is that when we're not living from that space, that energy is not disappearing. That's coming back as the ego. So many times people talk about the ego being the bad guy and all of that, kill my ego, destroy my ego, get rid of my ego. But what I through reflection, at least this is my, what, I, what I feel right now, is that the ego is nothing else but what we refuse ourselves to give us credit for or to employ in our lives. It's coming up in a twisted way. And it's mm -hmm. going to create so much pain in our life and our relationships until we, we wake up and, and start living from our grace, from our spirit, from our hearts. 
Um, so this is like, I remember first time we connected and you said like, I want to be a heart led entrepreneur. It was yeah. so important for you to be, you know, the heart to be the foundation of everything you do. And mm -hmm. I, I feel this is like uh, my mission to support people reconnect with their hearts. When we live from the heart, many things that we have in place today would not need to be as rules anymore because we will just naturally gravitate towards a certain way of living, a certain way of taking care of the environment. I think a lot of other problems are going to be solved because even what we do to mother nature doesn't stem from any other place, but our disconnection for ourselves. We are nature. The more we move out from our hearts, and we are more into proving who we are, being better than the other person, having more wealth without, forget, without remembering that we can't take anything with us. The moment we just go onto that path, we disconnect completely from nature. And then we start cutting the wood. We don't care how we treat the water because we're just completely in a different place. And when we come back to ourselves, we, we wake up that it's just us. And then naturally we interact with the environment in a certain way. Naturally, we going to nourish ourselves and interact with food in a certain way. Mm. Like naturally, for example, I stopped watching TV in 2004. Um, and it was a basic thing. I came, I came from my jujitsu training. I was so tired and I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch something. And I was just shifting around to look what to watch. And then when I check my phone, it was already two hours later and I didn't find something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, right, that's it. <laughs> and that was the day when I finished. I was like, wow, two hours. I didn't even notice two hours of my life just uh, trying to find something to watch. I said, that's not for me. And once you stop consuming these things that, that support us to stay in the same loop, we naturally start seeing things. So for example, mm -hmm. some years ago, I entered into, into a supermarket and I saw all these colorful things. I was like, oh, it's almost very interesting because you're not going to buy food. We're just going like go to Disneyland and we yes. buy colors and we buy different jars and we buy different boxes because they're more colorful than others. And the young generation doesn't even know how the food looks like or where it grows. Yes, if they see a leaf and an orange, they, they, they go, what is that? <laughs> yes, so it's just removing us and being removed like this, of course, it makes us take different actions. But when we are coming back, then it's a different way to interact with things. I really feel that my mission is to support people to come back to who they are. And everything I do is this, even the one-to-one -one coaching, the group coaching, the trainings I do. Uh, I remember during uh, Christmas, I was I wanted to do this countdown to Christmas, this Advent um, countdown to Christmas by reading animal oracle cards. And mm -hmm. somebody prompted me, said, oh, you know, you lower your credibility by reading oracle cards. <laughs> I was like, for me, I really love animals and I would use any opportunity to connect with animals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, uh, this person, it's, um, it's a high executive. So I, I took on uh, the, the feedback. And, and then I also uh, replied to the person after I reflected and meditated. I was like, oh, you know, it's like, it may look that it's something different. But if you listen, you would see the same thing. Everything I do, it's supporting people to remember who they are. Being meditation, being a card reading, being a reading without cards, being a simple talk, being a conversation. It's the same thing. This is what I do. <laughs>
And then they were like, oh, that's no problem. Then I watch it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I I have I have a set of animal cards and and actually not too long ago, uh, Drew the Badger, who was um, stating resourcefulness. So it's really funny that you mentioned that because I was smiling to myself. I was like. I've had that reminder that, you know, the resources I was born with. Yes, so this is what I love to support people with. And also from this stems different things, because sometimes, you know, I also notice uh, I don't have children yet. I really would love to create a family and have my own children soon. Um, I notice people that they have this compassion to teach children. But I feel that if we would just take a step back sometimes, sometimes I know it's very, very difficult. You have children, you know, this may be very challenging. But to also have create the space for us to learn from children and always to remind us that they came complete into this world with everything they need. So, and then also, I think a different dimension to this is to reparent ourselves and, mm. and to really create this awareness and through observation, as I said, to see like, oh, I'm acting in this way or I'm having this affliction mm. or I have this, you know, worries. And then to really yeah. sit with ourselves and to see you know, which part of myself needs what? Like, oh, I just need to take a break. How can I create the opportunity to do this? And to really be aware of that, like something that I, I became aware with with time, I need a lot of time alone. But sometimes mm. I cannot have a lot of time by myself. So then I also found out what's the minimum for me when I'm in community. Even if I love mm. the people so much, I notice I burn out very quickly if I don't take the space to recharge. Yeah. I recharge by being alone. So mm. then I realize, okay, I need minimum half an hour a day to be sane. If I have an hour, even better. So becoming aware of what do you really need? So this mm. is like my mission to support people to remember who they are with kindness, with love towards themselves, with huge respect. It's a very much opportunity and and, um, privilege to be ourselves in this lifetime and Mm. and to really become aware of our gifts because sometimes, you know, we just brush our gifts under the uh, carpet because we feel like I don't want to intimidate somebody else or uh, we want to please people. So just in a way to support people to rise up in their power, uh, power, not force, really embrace that, those gifts, those talents, those natural abilities and, and support like rewiring in a way that it works for us, not out mm. of like too much uh, imposed things and too much, um, you know, discipline that it's not really aligned to who we are just naturally to find a way of what works for us. Because as you said, we are all so different. We can't put a label Mm. on us. Mm -hmm. And I feel on the other hand, taking this into the corporate, this is a a dream that I have, taking this into the corporate, I feel that the most untapped gold that there is, it's human, the human soul, the human um, imagination. And I Mm. feel that creating a space for people in work to behave as their own CEOs and to be able to negotiate and to be able to contribute in this way, but also for people at all levels to treat people with respect. This will be able to really bring out more of the people and more creativity and more willingness to contribute and to create some amazing results because there's so much we can do by increasing the price and so on, but the true value we add by, you know, lighting up the human spirit 
And I know this to be true. Like when I was working in Germany, like there were teams of workers for, I knew this because I was taking the public transport. I was talking with people quite a lot and there were teams, six, seven workers. And at any time there were three people off sick. And we all know mm. some people just say they're off sick because they are just burdened, maybe micromanaged that they don't mm -hmm. have space. And then of mm -hmm. course, in turn, because they don't know better, they don't have resources, have difficult relationships at home. Then in order to medicate this, alcohol, food, sleep, and all of that. So it's just a snowballing effect that it doesn't serve the people and it doesn't serve the um, employee. So it's a lose-lose situation. Yes. So yeah. And I've seen it over and over again um, in the workplace like that. It, 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 like you say, it's almost a dampening of human spirit. Yes. Um, and, and I completely agree with you in recent times, I have been working with children and I've been taken aback at how, how they can, I guess, relay to me how they're feeling. They're completely aware of themselves. They know what they're doing to feel better. There's such a huge awareness that they have. And I thought, this is a really big learning for me because I could, what I was seeing was that there were children not sleeping, children having anxiety, children perhaps, you know, almost losing the plaster over the pandemic and neurodivergency coming forth. And it was very unsettling, perhaps more so for the parents, maybe more than the children, because the children actually have all this lovely knowledge they just need it to be nurtured yes and we're, we're asking children to navigate a world that adults and parents don't necessarily understand or navigate very easily so yeah i can see i can see how we almost need to unite that little bit in in that we need yes. to learn from the children as well as you know yeah. it's, it works both ways i agree and i think what is necessary also like part of my mission it's also to create genius masterful structures because mm. children need structure. Children yes. are, are like, you know, overflowing wisdom, creativity, energy, mm -hmm. and yes. they would need some sort of structure because otherwise, you know, what happens if, if the child doesn't go to sleep when he has to go to sleep, then it loses mm. the plot, you know, yeah. and then it's becoming <laughs> like uncontrollable and it's no good for the child. And so yes. the children need some sort of structures, but some masterful structure that doesn't start dampening their spirit. You know, I, I've seen this in family when the child was like, oh, what can I do? I have to just do what the parents say. So how it would be if we create a masterful structure that, that the children understand, you know, yeah. and, and they will, even when they're naughty, they still understand like, yeah, I know I need to do this because it's good for me, you know, slowly, <laughs> slowly to get into this knowing um, mm. and to honor that. And I also feel like something that uh, it's part of what I do in my work and I try to raise awareness without trying to raise awareness is how we speak. Mm -hmm. Because I feel in a society, it's still a lot of emphasis placed on, oh, this person did a hundred of this and they did a hundred of that and they run so much faster. We are celebrating mm -hmm. these milestones that, that sometimes doesn't necessarily honor everybody being themselves, but set mm -hmm. some standards that we all have to compete and to measure on the same standard. And I feel that rather than celebrating that is to celebrate what is timeless, rather mm -hmm. than celebrating what is passing and it's, um, you know, the time goes and it's not valuable anymore. 
to celebrate that that is eternal. So instead of telling somebody you're beautiful, you know, compliment somebody they're kind, they will never lose that. You know, and it's just like to, to really fuel our children and, and the people we work with and our family with, with awareness and compliments and references to that that it's timeless, that that mm. they can never lose that that would really support them rather than saying oh today you've been a good child maybe tomorrow you're not but just to say well you're like you know just to say oh you have a big heart rather than say like oh your dress is very nice because then mm -hmm. they will say like oh i need to have this clothes in order to be appreciated or i need to have this uh, whatever six seven eight figures to be uh, somewhere so that mm -hmm. is also the awareness of celebrating our eternal dimension rather than the material dimension and i guess a big part of your fuel as a child would be your grandmother um and you've shared stories before about you know your understanding that allopathic medicine of course has a place and can help be helpful Definitely. in the short term there's no question yes yeah, save but, some but, lives yeah. but there is exactly but there is a long-term approach and and i guess you have some sort of early childhood stories of your grandmother kind of nipping into the garden to go and get something yeah. and rustle up a little tea or a tincture and could you talk to us about sort of that experience yeah. and maybe how that sort yeah, of yeah I really life? like my grandmother is not with us anymore I really celebrate her spirit mm. because he was uh, yeah. almost like the first adult that really honored me and respected me I remember mm. that I was very curious about cooking and I was maybe six seven eight and uh, she was like, oh, I didn't wake you up because I need to start cooking at seven and you were still sleeping. I was in holiday when <laughs> I was at her. And then yes. I said to her, I told you to wake me up. And she said, good, I'll wake you up from tomorrow. And she always woke me up. She never treated me like a child. If I would say yes. something, she would honor that. So I mm -hmm. learned cooking from her. And this is something that it's not necessarily connected to the medicine, but it is because food is medicine. Mm -hmm. What I love is that she gave me full... Um, she let me do it like without um, giving me too many instructions. And sometimes we don't like when you don't have instructions, but she gave me the right instructions. So for example, first time she let me chop things. I think maybe I was six or yes. seven. And, yes. and uh, I asked her like, I was so excited that she gave me <laughs> one of those chopping boards and the knife. And I was like, you know, how, how should I do it? And she said like, yes. cut them the way you want them. You want to find them in the soup. And I was like, and this also did two things. Wow. Gave me the freedom to do it as I like, but it mm -hmm. also made me aware to think, how do I like things in the, when I yes. eat? How it's do such I a like big question. I remember, yes. I was like, oh, I don't like the tomatoes when they're big. Oh, I would <laughs> yes. have them small. And, and then I started there and I, 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 I love cooking. And yeah. I, I give this like all this joy, I owe it to my grandmother. And then I remember we are much smaller than that time when I was cook. I started cooking. We are much smaller, maybe four or five. My brother is two years younger than me. And we had this terrible stomach ache, like terrible. Mm. It was like such cramps that we could not stand up. And then my grandma just went to the garden, got some cumin, we call them in Romania, cumin hats. Is this inflorescence yes. of the cumin plant? So yes. she got a few of those put them in a pot, boil them. We had, I'm not kidding, two sips of tea and we were <laughs> fixed. We didn't even speak. We look at each other. I was like, grandma is a witch. She's what? magical. <laughs> like, 
she's so rich. Oh my goodness. How can you think, like just put this put this flowers? Amazing. And we we're just so excited. And like it's it, we we're just then we started watching her. What is she doing? So yeah. it's exciting like this. And I also feel like as I as we said, like you know, the allopathic medicine has its place and it saves lives. Yes, um, but also like I think always in life it's a trap when we go out one-sided. But it just yeah. to keep the middle way and to really look in this moment right now, what would serve me best? Because mm. maybe it's allopathic medicine, but maybe it's like, oh, maybe I could change a bit my diet slowly, or maybe I could change by doing a bit more exercise. Maybe I can do a thousand steps more a day. So it's just mm. to look at different things, not just to first just grow, go and grab mind, mindlessly some pills, because yes. that may not be the answer. The, what we need is the awareness. Yeah. And, and just to make a parenthesis here, uh, why bringing this always back to ourselves mm -hmm. and our resources and how we only heal ourselves. I remember with Lyme disease, because it affects the nervous system. Yes. And, and I was not sure I was sane anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But because I meditate and I can watch my mind, I could watch my mind noticing that my mind mm -hmm. is not really on mm -hmm. point. <laughs> I remember one day I was meditated, meditating and I was not really sure uh, where I am anymore. So I just sat there meditating. And the thought came, was like, wow, just this, whatever is happening right now, it's very deep. And I don't know if I can help myself anymore because I don't know where I am anymore. Because yeah. I could say, oh, when I say where I am, where I am in my mind, like where I am in my awareness. I want to yes. show that my awareness is aware anymore. <laughs> or yeah. it's just games of the mind that I'm seeing. Because yes. also the senses are affected. Sometimes mm -hmm. small noises were sounding like loud noises. So you, you, you wouldn't mm -hmm. know where you are anymore. And in the meditation, I was laughing. I was like, oh, if I see at any point people in white coat coming, I know that I lost it. And in that very moment, I kid you not, it was if something or someone moved my head and I looked down and I looked at myself, I was dressed in white. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, good joke. So I'm the patient and I'm the doctor. Very nice. <laughs> Nicely played. You know, sometimes I talk with God or the universe. I always did that. It's challenging for some people to hear this, but I do have these conversations. And I, I looked up and I was like, oh, very nicely played. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Now you got me. <laughs> <laughs> Magdalena, when you talk about like, almost that transition from, um, you know, survival to awakening, like, do you think that it needs to be a slow process or do you think that it could be sped up? Um, it could be quite fast because I know that I've had moments where, you know, certainly, you know, the, the session with yourself where I had that, yeah, it, we can't, I can't go on this path anymore. I need to shift. But I do personally think it's been a very slow process and I think it's needed to be. But I, I just wondered from your perspective, if you agree yeah. with that or whether you feel it could be faster. Yeah, I think um, you can't open a rose with your fingers just because you want it to open faster. So to some extent, we are blossoming and mm. it takes as long as it's short as it will take. 
So in Buddhism tradition, they say infinite patience is the fastest mm. way. Yeah. And maybe you have this experience in your life too, when you gave up the pressure of having had to achieve something in a, this amount of time, it almost that thing happened almost instant, in, yes. in an instant. Yeah. Because you just gave up the constraints, oh, I have to do this in this time. If I don't do it, what is going to happen? And when we let go of those expectations, then things just happen by themselves and they happen even faster than we thought. So I, I am with you there. The process in itself, because you don't know what you measure, you cannot think what, what is faster and what is slower. Mm. It may look like it's slow, but it may be very fast because we don't really know what they're tracking. You see yes. like in the, in the history of humanity, like millions of years of evolution, you may say, oh, it's even gestation. Like if say like a woman becomes pregnant and it needs, if we bring it to the term, naturally mm -hmm. nine months to give birth. And some mm -hmm. people may say like, oh, nine months, it's a long time. Mm -hmm. When, you know, we see the, we see the belly growing and if we do ultrasound and so on, we see that something inside, but traditionally, if we wouldn't do nothing, we may feel something, we see that mm -hmm. there is some change in the physicality, but we mm -hmm. don't really know what's inside. We don't, we don't really see it until it's nine months. So we may say that it's a long process, but at the same time, something that I learned a few years back, not long time ago, apparently mm -hmm. the fetus between conception and birth, it mm -hmm. undergrows the same transformation that life took on earth from the beginning of time until this present moment. Millions or maybe even more billions years of evolution, it's happening in nine months. So how would we say, is it long or is it short? So, that that yeah. is the thing, it's like we don't know. And if we think about that, you know, where we are coming from, you know, we have the heritage, the, the mind, the, the way of thinking. I also mm -hmm. feel that it's not so much genetics as the epigenetics that influences us, the environment okay. uh, influencing okay. the genes. And mm -hmm. it's not so much the genes as is the speech. If you, mm -hmm. if you look at the um, indigenous tribes and the, and the people uh, living in, in tribes and in the tribal settings, indigenous cultures, even in Buddhism, they do have books, but there is mostly oral transmission. Mm. Why the oral transmission? Because I was reflecting on this. Why the oral transmission is the preferable way or was the most lasting way of transmitting knowledge? Mm. Why? It's like, oh, because people didn't have books, really. And, and it's very interesting because what is sound? The vibration that goes through matter creates sound. Mm -hmm. And if we go back and look at the, you know, the Bible, you know that the things are spoken into existence. We understand the power of the sound that we make. Yes. On the other hand, in a place where you cannot speak, maybe you also had this experience in life to be in a, in a place of, of household or somewhere where you are like, oh, I better just don't speak and try to be mute. You notice how you feel in the body. You feel really powerless and very like, yes. so the speech, I feel that most of the, how we are today, most of our 
the way of thinking and the way of being and the wiring in our body was transmitted from our culture, from our families, through the speech. Mm. Because if somebody is very afraid, would speak and would use certain ways of words, certain words and certain ways of speaking and mm -hmm. certain tonality and certain energy behind it. And we, we borrow this. So we run with this for generations. Mm. And not to forget, you know, the war was not uh, very much long time ago, not even a hundred years ago. So we have all of that in our system. So it's mm. quite a bit of unlearning that we need to do. Yeah. And I would say rather than uh, thinking that it's slow or fast to really celebrate any small awareness that we have because it's not small. It's yeah. not small. And I don't yeah. think we can, we can speed things up naturally, of course, by there are things that keep us in this predicament longer. So mm -hmm. for example, I really believe if it's a hobby to watch the news and watch too much TV and indulge into activities that uh, you are a consumer, it's much mm -hmm. less likely that you would wake up as a creator because mm -hmm. it's just the way that the practices sometimes influences the evolution. So definitely mm -hmm. I would not recommend that. I would recommend to do things which engage your creativity, engage your, you know, you contributing. That will nourish and will awaken the, the creativity and so on rather than consumerism because survival it's also and victimhood, it's also con connected with being the consumer, being at the effect of life. But the thing is like when somebody notices that, okay, I need to change something, having mm -hmm. a coach, it's essential. Why is that? Because what is not really obvious is that when we switch from survival orientation to um, creative orientation, living from the heart, so living from the fear from, versus living from love, uh, you may... Uh, you, you, you know there are different structures that operate, different ways of thinking, different ways of doing things, different ways of uh, making decisions. So at some point in this transition, there would be a collapsing of the structures. When these structures collapse, it's very good to have with you somebody who knows what this is about, so it can hold your hand to go on the other side. Because I, naturally what happened to people when this start collapsing, people feel like, oh, I'm being punished. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they just go back to it and they yeah, refuse to progress. They would even be afraid to meditate. They would be afraid to do certain practices. They would be not engaging into other things because they would be like, oh, this gets me into trouble. Yes. Because this can be quite dramatic. You know, you can, people that are uh, not good for your progress in your life would fall away. You may lose friendships. You may lose your house. You may have some health problems. Uh, naturally, I notice working with people, um, there is one stage of this transition when people develop full body eczema out of nowhere, yeah. or sometimes, you know, broken bones and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I noticed this because it happened to me and then I noticed other people working with me or not working with me, I observed this. It's like, oh, okay. So one needs to, uh, if you have somebody with you to watch over you can, can, um, support you in a way that you don't need to go through all these pitfalls and have the diseases and deal with the broken foot and because the person is going to tell you like at this moment you need to focus on this or you may like to and and you would get the messages for yourself it's not like as you know when you work with me like i don't tell people what to do but you receive your own messages when you see that you're not not able not to see it and then you yes. you by yourself adjust so mm. 
So you talked about having sort of almost a dream in the corporate space. Um, and, and could you talk to us a little bit about how you currently work with individuals, you know, communities, businesses, and maybe, um, I guess, an invitation to how you'd like to be working in the future? Like, what does that look like? Because we connected a little bit in person, but the actual sessions I had with you were over, you know, online. So it, it would be lovely to know sort of how you work with people. Yes be yeah. that hand to hold you know through that journey so yes so um i work with people in different settings like i really feel that for me it's important and for the work to to support the work is to work one-to-one -one and also work in groups yeah. uh, when i work one-to-one -one, certain things are being revealed then certain processes are being crystallized that i can transfer it to groups when i work yes. in groups certain things are being crystallized that I realized, oh, this cannot be taken on in a group, but I can uh, import it and use it in the one-to-one -one settings. Yeah. So this is uh, actually important. And um, when I work with people, it's uh, normally people come to me because there is some sort of life situation. When they mm -hmm. realize either that they've been going in circles, like they... Mm -hmm. Uh, change maybe partners or jobs or countries and they encounter the same problems yeah. and then they realize like wait a minute something is deeper here what is going on mm -hmm. so this is like the entry point most of the time or they realize something is not working in their life in some ways or relationship or they would like to create something that they're not be able to create yet like a family or uh, to move further in their career so this is normally the entry point and um, how I will define my work is like, there is a part of the work which is alchemy. And in this alchemical work is like, we alchemize whatever person it's coming with. So let's say the person comes with a problem, we are looking at the elements and we are able to use that experience or that past situation, those beliefs or whatever it's fueling the person. And in this process that we do one-to-one, -one, we are able to obtain a different perspective and then to support to get that perspective and bring it into, into reality to be able to, uh, for the person to have it as a better strategy, as a better option. Mm -hmm. So, and in this alchemy, a lot of things happen, like sometimes awarenesses where, where the whole old strategy is just falling apart. Because if mm -hmm. you already have an awareness of something higher, there is no point for you to go back. It's almost like you started working, um, work, um, going with a normal bike. You will not go back to a tricycle. Maybe yes. you go back once <laughs> or twice out of, uh, because mm. you, you feel like, oh, a bit, um, how do you call it? You feel a bit nostalgic, but yes. you, will not, <laughs> you will not go default to that. Only because you feel a little bit nostalgic, you may go back to it. Yes. So, um, so that is like that. That's the alchemy phase. So this new way of living is three parts: is the alchemy, is the vision, and the creation. So normally, mm -hmm. when people come with problems, you look at the alchemy. Yes. But the main part of how I work with people, also in groups and one to one, it's I support them to receive the vision for the next part of their life. It's mm -hmm. a guided process that supports you to connect with that that you're here to create i know it sounds maybe a bit woo but actually it's not it's very like it's um, quite natural for us to to have we already have some inklings about what we love to do and 
most of us are already doing it, but we're doing it in a hidden way. Yes. So connecting the, so the create the vision part of working together is people connect with that vision and getting uttermost clarity. Most of people um, think that they need courage or mm -hmm. uh, confidence and what they lack is just clarity. So yeah. we have the vision, we have the alchemy part where we transform whatever it's in the survival orientation to be able to be lifted up so we can work on the vision. And then we also, we also have the creation part. It's the part mm -hmm. of the work together where we put the structure in place. So we already downloaded the vision, but we wanted to ground it in reality and have a plan of execution. How to do this in a different way? And this comes like working with a, with a coach, working with a mentor, it's very important because something I haven't touched upon and I will share it here briefly because it's paramount to how I work and for understanding of this work. In survival orientation, people make decision, everything is linear, everything is material, everything is linear. Everything is from A to B, everything makes sense. Everything is logic and makes sense, why? Because we've been there before, it's an old map. Yes, you are yes. with me. Other yes. people have been there before. It's mm -hmm. a trial and tested map that goes nowhere. <laughs> we look around. There are people who are very <laughs> successful and they're really mm -hmm. in deep pain. So we know that is not working. They are superstars who commit suicide. And we think like, oh, this person had everything. Mm -hmm. So obviously money is not the solution, not fame, not status, no holiday houses. So this map is not working, but this makes sense and we feel safe because it makes sense and we can track the progress and it's because it's linear. In yes. the creative orientation, when we go in the process of creation, this is mm -hmm. not linear. Mm -hmm. It only makes sense looking backwards. So it's a different way of making decision. It's a different ways to create strategies. And it may feel a bit unsettling at the moment, but it's a new map. That's why you don't feel comfortable. And sometimes it's the fear of the unknown that kicks in. But what can the unknown be rather than what you put in there? You know, your mm -hmm. dreams, your visions, your prayers, your intuition, your intentions. So um, it's just also cre uh, supporting people in the work one-to-one -one and in groups to make this uh, shift from different type of living linear and non-linear. Yeah. This is a biggie because it may be unsettling at the moment and we need to you know, get used is like just now moving from, you know, going with a bike or, or uh, so from tricycle to a bike and from to a car. And then it's like, oh, starting driving a helicopter. You know, yes. helicopters are the most difficult to drive because they lose balance very easily. Mm -hmm. So yes. just like maneuvering that and balancing that in a way that no other vehicle was before. And now it's in the air. It's not yes. on the ground anymore. But the beauty of creative orientation is that you can create efforts effortlessly. There are no conditions required. You don't need to clean away your limiting beliefs. You don't mm -hmm. need to fix yourself. You can just create that. So mm -hmm. in the work one-to-one -one is what I do. It's a, it's, a, it's a method that rests on these three pillars, alchemy, vision, and creation. And I only do alchemy like this what people call traditionally healing, hypnotherapy and so on, going deep, working with this subconscious mind, is the unconscious mind. Only mm -hmm. when the person has some sort of difficulties to move from, to receive the vision or to mm -hmm. start creating the vision in reality. 
we notice there are some sort of obstacles that keep appearing and the obstacles in our reality are nothing else but our mind concepts that are becoming visible mm -hmm. and and then we work with that we go to alchemy again and then we so it's a process when mm -hmm. we go back and forth yeah. as needed mm -hmm. but what i don't do with people i don't do healing for healing sake because i feel that <laughs> so the whole universe is healing through us so we mm -hmm. will never be done so when people say first i heal and then i do this i said oh you'll not have 10 lifetimes you will not be there because it's mm -hmm. uh so this is like when I work with one-to-one, -one, of course, it's going much deeper. And because I also receive the visions for the people, I also receive the messages for the people. And, you know, from working with patients, if you would have done a facial for a person, it's one way. But if you just yes. give them some products to do it at home, they would not have the machines. They would not have the techniques or the experience mm -hmm. that you do, you have. Yes. So there is yes. some limitations working with group. But nonetheless like the group that i'm leading right now it's amazing results like um, amazing results and even people who have been on a long spiritual path they still didn't get this you know there are there is this disconnect spiritual material but there is no mm. connection to really start living from this creative orientation from the heart and to marry the two to really live life from a different perspective mm. and um i also work like some of my clients are CEOs and I love to work with these people because you know when these people give speeches when these people start going back into their work they influence so many people so that's I, I also really love to do this I had um, some years back I I was in a it was a restaurant anniversary of my friends and one person there said oh I cannot stay for the cacao ceremony that was after because mm -hmm. I need to dash back I need to create the speech for my coworkers. And mm -hmm. sometimes I can't help it. And I said to him, like, what is that about? Maybe I can help because you look a bit stressed. And yes. he said, like, well, <laughs> I have to give a speech about this and this and this. And I said to him, look, you just, you may like to do this technique. First, first step, second step, third step. And see what's coming out of that. And the speech will be written by itself. And he left. I didn't know him. I didn't know anything. And then he reached out to me few weeks later saying two weeks later he said oh my goodness you know i gave this speech in the three uh, different locations mm -hmm. it was before covid i think 2017 and he said it's in, i didn't know how many people he has in total were 1500 people in the uk wow <laughs> and and he said like it was incredible like i it was just like the best uh, speech i ever given because otherwise, if I would have done it from my head, I would have bored them with, with numbers that you know everybody knows and nobody really needs to hear again, which is great. But it's <laughs> the same, like you can read this in a paper. You don't, you know, what you need, it's a lift of the heart. It's, a, it's an inspiration. It's motivation. It's, it's not another, you know, saying again, what you already received that you, you knew in numbers. And he said, it's incredible. He said, I'm so excited to continue doing this. And you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's like this, like it's um, one comment and it just reaches so many people. So that's why I would love to move more with working with, with corporates and, and to support people to, as I said, support people to empower their coworkers or their employees to be more acting like the CEO and to get over this fear that, that uh, things will get out of control and they will maybe not hold the deadlines, but to start putting some masterful structures in place 
mm-hmm. that will allow the freedom and would lift the people through respect and honoring and you know inspiring the people to bring out the best in themselves yeah and do you think that's your sort of favorite part of the process you know when you're 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 inviting someone to to have this new way of looking at things new way of living new way of experiencing life yes because that, that maybe is your favorite bit? i really feel this is going to create i mean it's already creating a big shift because i have um I have learned about super consciousness from one of my teachers, William White Cloud. He's doing incredible work to support people to tap into their natural abilities. Um, And um, he leads the work under the name natural success. And it's incredible work to support people to shift from the survival orientation into into the creative orientation. Um, But I feel more specifically for me is to support people to, to create this, to have this journey for themselves. Because from my teacher, I learned the tools, but now it's just about applying the tools to really create a big shift in our reality. And I really feel this will uplift people and will really make life worth living. I remember mm-hmm. one of my friends from India was saying once that uh, it was a quote from a movie. He said, the life doesn't need to be long, but it needs to be big. And then this stayed with me. So I think this will support us to lift up from the horizontal dimension, battling circumstancing, battling other people, blaming other people, being at the whims <laughs> of what happens to us and start really creating um, masterfully, realizing we have the power to really create our reality. Mm. And Magdalena, how do you think you know, when you are working with individuals, working with communities, businesses, you know, CEOs, like how, how do you nurture yourself specifically, you know, having had such an intense health history as well? How do you nourish yourself to be able to give to others? This is a big point. I'm sure that you relate to this and I'm sure people connecting with, with you are also, and with me normally are people who are givers. And it's very easy for us to burn at all ends and and to just, um, and also like I learned, uh, Lyme disease was also part of it. Like I learned that chronic illness, it's also connected with us just being in this giving mode and burning out because we don't nourish ourselves and we may feel selfish when we take time for ourselves and and all of that. And, And also connecting with going more into the dysfunction of people pleasing. So, but, but, People pleasing, it's one side, but really having this really urge to nourish, to give, to contribute, sometimes mm-hmm. also can be detrimental if we don't have structures in place. And this can lead to chronic illness. So we mm-hmm. need to pace ourselves. And I learned it the, the difficult way. So for me, it's like, it was very difficult to learn to say no. Yes, that, takes, that can take years. <laughs> yes. And you can yeah, still creep back really there like, sometimes. And to really like be in my heart and to to really be honest, deeply honest with myself. Like, is this, and I'm not thinking like, oh, is it good for me? Not not like this, but this is like, is this is the most inspired action I can take in this moment that will support me and everyone else? And the answer may be no. Mm-hmm. And, and, and nowadays, for example, like, because I was this person, I'm, I'm still am, like I go out of my way to help people. Like I'm, when I went back to Romania a year and a half ago and I stayed there for a year and a half, I have many times I stopped the car when I saw women, especially with big bags and I stopped the car and gave them a drive home and people are so amazed they can't speak. 
Oh. <laughs> and they, they don't know how to repay me. And I was like, oh, look, it's just like there's no repayment. <laughs> it's like you don't need to. I did this from my heart, and people are so uh, confused. Um, so I go out of my way, but mm. sometimes, like what I do in order to, because I know like I'm at best when I'm also replenished with energy. Like if I cannot do something, I really pray that that person will get help from a different person. Yes. <laughs> or in a yes, I've done that. <laughs> like really, I said, oh, I can't do this now, please. You know, maybe somebody else can help. Please, somebody else show up and do this right now. Yes. Um, yeah. But yes, learning to say no and learning to choose the higher uh, next step as a mm -hmm. journey. But also like, as I shared, for me, it's very important to have time when I'm alone. Yes. Yeah, that sounds powerful. And I feel that. Mm -hmm. mostly in nature because i recharge mostly when i'm alone so yeah. i need that and i need also like what also what something that nourishes my soul and it's quite difficult to justify in our society still i think it's getting easier but uh, and i keep communicating this on all social media it's like something <laughs> that I found incredible incredible for me is because like we are so anchored with all the time in time like this appointment mm -hmm. and the other appointment and i need to i have two hours and i need to do this and especially if, if we are mothers if we are caretakers mm -hmm. if we are fathers if we are you know ceos and so on everything is like mm -hmm. and i noticed for me historically in my life whatever helps me the most with my mental health my sanity my well-being physical well-being because it's all connected it's mm -hmm. uh, to have pockets of time out of time what I mean is that to have a day or an afternoon or an evening when I don't check the phone. I just mm -hmm. like, even if I have the phone with me, I don't need to look at the time. I can just be. And this for mm -hmm. me, it's, uh, it's gold. Um, and, and I used to do this once a week when I could have a whole day for myself. And I remember back in Germany, my friends were angry with me. It's like, oh, you, you, you didn't reply. Like, this is my day, because <laughs> otherwise, like you have nothing left of me. It's like, you'll be lucky you have Sunday, but otherwise it'd be nothing left. <laughs> so this is very important, but something, what I also found that it's paramount in the, in the, to bring it back to the structure in the survival orientation, we rely so much on the to-do list and what mm -hmm. I have to do to make sure mm -hmm. I'm on top of it and to make sure I'm there to the deadlines and, -na 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 and communicate and all of this is like, this is survival mm -hmm. orientation. And this in survival orientation that also works when we are empowered in the empowered consciousness, so victim and empowered consciousness, it's all about mm -hmm. the doing. That's why we're so mm -hmm. much about creating habits and uh, which are great. And you know, this, all of that to do, to do, to do. And having the journals to remind us and to you know all of that. In the creative orientation, what is paramount and it's not linear because the to-do, it's linear. Like, you know, we make this list, we do this course and then we have this outcome and this will support us in our business. <laughs> in the creative orientation, what is paramount, it may not make sense. And maybe the first thing that we drop when we are stressed and that mm -hmm. is our daily practices. Yeah. Um, in the creative orientation, all we need to nourish is our consciousness and to make sure that the body is a clean vessel. And the, so the quality of the thoughts are higher quality of the thoughts, high quality emotion, high quality questions that we cannot achieve by reminding ourselves to be positive. <laughs> That's not <laughs> it's like reminding yourself to be positive is like you running around, not you. Somebody running around with a broken leg, heavy medicated, so it doesn't hurt, 
doesn't do anything for the leg and has a crutch, which is be positive. So that is not working. I'm not advocating for this. Uh, in the creative orientation, what is paramount is to do our daily practices. And many people say, how can my gratitude list support me to create this shift at work? It's like, it will. You may not see the direct connection. So I do have, I, I do um, say this and I, I cannot stress this enough how important to do this every day. The daily practices are supporting us to really have like brushing our teeth. We cleanse our consciousness. We cleanse the screen mm -hmm. of the mind, of the heart. We remind ourselves who we are. We have a chance to get a glimpse of our sacredness, of our divinity, of our you know, mission, of our mm -hmm. what is the highest for us. And from mm -hmm. then, from that point, we can enter the day. Of course, you can have to-do list and so on. That's not important. Not not uh, not. Uh, don't need to yeah. teach everything, but it's just this is paramount in the creative orientation, and this is what I feel is the most important. Like I do have every day. It doesn't need to be long. I do have every day when I do my breathing, conscious breathing, and I mm -hmm. do my yoga and my movements, and I mm -hmm. have like I write my gratitudes and I meditate and I contemplate and I pray. Um, so I have my own ritual to start the day, if you want to call it ritual, but my daily yeah. practice. And, yeah. it's and you notice it when it's not there, don't you? You know, I, yeah. I, I when I brush my teeth, it's, it's like I open the window and look at the view and taking the view, you know, for that time, very short space of time, I'm already doing something else, I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but then it, it allows me to you're, be. Yeah, yeah, you're you're also taking on the other thing. Why is this important also? And we notice this with singing. We, when you start singing, you cannot lie to yourself how you feel. Because if you don't feel so good, you cannot really sing. So it's the same with daily practices. It also supports us to check the weather forecast for ourselves and to see like, oh, today I'm a bit you know, tired, mind a bit foggy. Okay, mm -hmm. let's take a few more breaths. Maybe I do this type of breath that supports me ground myself or clean my mind. Or maybe I take... I make sure that today I give myself extra time to prepare. So it creates this awareness of how we are in that day and we work with who we are. In the mm -hmm. survival orientation, we hold ourselves to some impossible standards and we also beat ourselves up all the time. You know, mm -hmm. oh, you're not running fast enough. But in the, in the creative orientation, while doing the practices, we become aware where we are right now. So we can support ourselves to go where we need to be in a way that it's appropriate for that day, for that moment. So that's why daily practice is, it's vital. So like yeah, no, I've, I've done, yeah. And, and sort of, I'm, I've underestimated it, you know, the power of a bath that I then read a book as well. Cause again, it's just a lovely exactly. way to be away from technology. So it's just anything that seems really small, maybe seems so tiny, but actually so, so powerful. So to be able to kind of almost make sure that you're doing that, do you have any, I don't know, quotes, mantras, a song that anchors you back into almost taking care of yourself? One of the things that I remind myself when I, uh, let's say I go back to sleep late and I need to wake up early, it's reminding myself that the most important training and the most important practice is the one that you want to skip. <laughs> I like it's, that one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and, and then I was like, okay, let's do this. So 
I do this every day, but the days when I want, I feel like, oh, maybe I, I skip it today because I have so much to do. <laughs> and maybe if I leave a half an hour early, it would give me time. It's like, oh, oh I see what's going on here. Let's see. Yes. <laughs> and also like I, uh, in order to support me to do this and my clients and people who connect with me, I, I also encourage them to have like small, small times, like don't make it your daily routine, like two hours, because that's long mm-hmm. time. But if you make yeah. like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you can have an extended version for half an hour, but at least 15 minutes just to make sure. Yes. So yeah. this is one of the things. And, and the other thing, I, I'm not a religious person and I don't think I'm a spiritual person either. Um, I know because even spirituality it's, it has so many connotations, but yeah. I feel connected with many um, like expressions of, if you want to call divinity. Mm-hmm. And um, what I feel connected with like for a long time and I struggle to remember, I, I literally meditated a few times to remember when this entered my life and I cannot remember. I have a deep connection with uh, Ganesha, which is the, an in, like a Hindu god. Oh, yes, yeah. You know, the elephant god. That's it. Yes, I've had seen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, it was not in a religious way. I just kind of love him. I just love him. And he was inspiring me to have his statue around. It's quite interesting, my practice, because it's not, it's not indoctrinated. I was just drawn to this. And then yes. I learned, oh, he's the destroyer. And I was like, oh, why am I drawn to this if he's the destroyer? <laughs> But then I was like, in time, I realized like, oh, this is long time ago. So then I realized like, oh, it's like destroyer and creator. But most of it is like overcoming of obstacles. Mm-hmm. Then when I cre- connected with, uh, with a huge, beautiful Indian community, especially during COVID, I learned that even Hindu people, they don't pray to this God. They mostly, mm-hmm. when they pray, they invoke the power of overcoming obstacles within themselves. So it's almost awakening this this power of overcoming obstacle within ourselves. So for me, like if it would be like one of even the mantra without words, because I don't necessarily um, chant mantras uh, to remember myself something. I do chant mantras because I love to do this, but not as a practice to remind myself something. Mm -hmm. I love the mantras of Ganesha. Um, and, and I love to remind myself that I have this power to overcome obstacles and also mm-hmm. the awareness. And here surrender comes in. There are three, three types of obstacles when we do mm-hmm. anything. There is obstacles from within because I might be tired. I might be sick. I might be um, not having resources in that moment or I might be lazy yeah. or I might be sleepy. So I have, uh, I can have obstacles from within, which can be quite legit, right? Yes. Then there are, this is one type of obstacles. Then there are obstacles from outside of myself. You know, when we do the work, we realize it's not so much outside, but it looks like it's outside. You mm-hmm. want to take the train and there is a strike. So then it's like, oh my goodness, I was supposed to go to this job interview or to this mm-hmm. meeting, there is a strike. Or we want to, to wear a blouse and we notice like, oh, I forgot to wash it. I had in my head, it's washed and it's not washed. So things yeah. like that, it's almost like obstacles from outside of ourselves because it's happening mm-hmm. outside somehow. Or, you know, you want to fly like during COVID, I wanted to see my mom, I couldn't because there were no flights to remain. Mm-hmm. So things like that, sure. outside obstacles. But then there are obstacles outside of our control, like natural disasters. 
So when we invoke this, you know, almost like this uh, power within ourselves to overcome our obstacles, we have, we, we kind of, this is like what I do on a daily basis. Like when I told you like, oh, I, maybe I skip this. I was like, no, let's not. So then I overcome my inner obstacles. And then I also like, I'm naturally inclined for prayers. This is how I'm shaped. I know this is not for everyone, but if not prayer, then intention. And also mm -hmm. set an intention, you know, that, you know, that you're to have the awareness, the higher questions, the higher ability to overcome the uh, obstacles outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and then the, the third thing is like to surrender to what we cannot control sure. and, and to remind ourselves that uh, we are not begin all and end all, because that's another thing of a trap of the of ourselves because we put ourselves at the center of evolution and we forget that we are in the circle of life. So yes. putting ourselves back in the circle of life actually supports us to, to navigate this. So this is like something that I remind myself, like mm -hmm. just to, to prompt myself. And sometimes when I do things that are out of my comfort zone, like when we do things for the first time, most of the time it's excitement, but we perceive it as anxiety as adults. As children, we perceive something new like excitement. As adults, we perceive something new as, as anxiety. <laughs> it's exactly the same energy if you reflect on yeah. it. So maybe we are just excited all the time. So <laughs> sometimes <figure. laughs> I, I put in the background the Ganesh mantra. Yes. I just put it in the background and I feel it supporting me. And yes. I think these things have, um, the mantras have real um can offer real support because we can imagine they have been chanted for thousands of years. And so they have been charged with the energy of so many people chanting them for support, for overcoming obstacles, for health, for well-being, that the energy of so many people praying have created some sort of energy that we tap into it when we listen or when we recite that mantra. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and moving on from sort of, you know, words like that, could we maybe go into books? Do you have, I would assume this is a really presumptuous of me that if you're not watching telly, you're likely to be quite an avid reader of some sort. Yes. Um, do you have any favourite books or books that you're reading now that have been really sort of quite moving to you lately? I love, since I was a child, I love to read poetry. Yeah, uh, I love to read poetry because I feel that novels sometimes uh, they are in the same reality. As a child, mm -hmm. I could not explain why, but um, I remember having to read books from school and I opened the book and very great book, very great Romanian writer. And the book was like about the life of a very poor family and uh, was a lot of abuse in that family too. So I read a few pages. I, I closed the book. I was like, I can't read this. I mean, for me, as at that time, eight years old, there was too much work going on in my family and in my neighborhood. I was like, oh, I'm not able to take more in. Yeah. So then I was able to do my homework because uh, we had this, uh, you know, by reading these commentaries on the books, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I never read those books. But I read poetry because poetry for me was like, was enabling me a new point of view. You know, mm -hmm. in poetry, like, you can rise on a broken uh, on a broken dream. It's like how can that look at? Or you talk about the the you know. I, I it doesn't come to me right now, but there are things that that are paradoxes. 
and mm. and through paradoxes you you are challenged to stretch your mind in a certain way and to look at things in a certain way and i also noticed that uh, abstract art is it's creating this for us it's mm. offering another point of view a different mm. point of view that we didn't have access before so um, I enjoy poetry. Like I love, for example, Kabir Hafiz. I love this like beautiful mm -hmm. poetry. And I also, what was another book? Mm, the book of Khalil Gibran. I, I'm the prophet. Mm -hmm. I, I just love it. And I meditate. Yeah. And yes. I, I read different books. Like I'm known to read four or five books at the same time because I'm studying astrology. At the moment, I'm studying Tibetan yes. medicine and I'm uh, reading business books. I'm reading a book which is called The Purple Cow. I really recommend it. Yes, yes. my partner loves that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How to stand out in a, in a busy environment. Um, yes. and, and also like, um, yeah, I read more like things connected to the soul. Like I love the Four Agreements uh, of Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, yeah, different, different books. I don't really have a favorite book. I have many favorite books. That's the problem yeah. when I travel because I love paper books. And mm. uh, when I travel, I have to decide which one I take. And sometimes I <laughs> I have less clothes to have more books. So, yeah. Yes, I've got, I've got three sort of staring me in the face here. And then I've got three upstairs in the bathroom when I'm having the bath, you know, so I, I yeah, I'm yes. the same. I, I have, so, and again, because I, I think it's important to be aware of not just reading a book for the sake of reading a book but actually you're reading because of where you are right now in this moment what what do you need to read or what do you need exactly. to explore exactly and, and poetry same. i imagine is is expansive and i i would say i'm fairly new to poetry i i have always written poems as gifts like a, like i you know mum's birthday you know so i would often write about and it would always rhyme <laughs> And I, I don't know where it would come from sometimes. I'd just be, be able to do Amazing. that. But in terms of, of reading other people's poetry, I think that's quite a new thing to me and that I've been exploring a little bit more. But yeah, uh, yeah thank you for sharing some of those those titles and, and I'll pop those into the show notes. And I'd love to end this podcast, um, Magdalena, by finally asking how can people connect with you and, and really how are they going to know that they're ready to work with you? Well, it's very simple. How I know I'm ready for something because I start hearing about it. Mm. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're ready because you're, you know, information in natu our natural state, whatever we need starts coming to our awareness. And this is how I notice, oh, and I notice that maybe the message comes again in a different way. And then I was mm. like, okay, this is the next step. So normally if you're here today you listen to this normally you're ready because otherwise you would not be here yes. so this is like uh, one way and also like how would you feel you're ready it's like we all know when we settle for a life that is not really exactly what they did right now <laughs> yes. you know we know it could be really good but you notice hmm yeah, something it's like there is something that needs to come out. And it's like yeah. would be sad for for me to just go through the moves and 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 just not allow this to blossom into reality. Yeah. And to be even curious how it's going to come out and what shape is going to take to allow yeah. it to to be in that space. And also like 
another way, uh, another pointer, apart from hearing about this and for thinking that, or knowing, basically knowing that's more to life than this, what is for you at this moment, this. Um, another thing is that, you know, it's like, how do we make next decisions? What are those uh, dreams and visions? Most of the time people are aiming to create something that they didn't have before. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I would love to now to travel there, to travel there, to do that, to do the other thing. But sometimes these um, dreams, these goals are not coming really from the soul. And how to tap into receive the vision that it's really true to you. And maybe mm -hmm. your true vision would be to have a vegetable garden. You know, and it can be yeah. so simple. And, and from mm -hmm. that, you can create something amazing, you know, because in, in our in survival orientation, it's all about this, like, oh, whatever, creating fame through whatever, more diplomas, more honors, more recognition, more money, more, more. Mm -hmm. But in the creative orientation, you can just write a children book and that could, you know, propel you to be an international famous person but not because you aim to be that, but because you mm. put your heart into it. And maybe that book supported many people and maybe they start making a movie out of it. And from that, you start leading a course or giving international talks about it. So we can mm. never know a seed from the heart what can lead to. So if you are curious to really experience, you know, mm. what is the message in your heart? Because in the in a oak tree, the message in the seed is the oak tree with all the fruits and the flowers and everything. Mm -hmm. So that is the true vision. The vision of the seed will not be a cherry tree. Mm -hmm. But as humans, we get confused because there's so much choice and we are kind of shaped into all type of shape and molded into all type of things. And we can learn everything and we can get better at everything, but it may not be what nourishes our soul. So mm -hmm. if you are curious and you feel like, oh, maybe I did not access the message that was hidden in my heart, that seed that I came up with to grow and blossom into here, maybe that's also an entry point. Yeah, amazing. And do you have a preferred way of people connecting with you? you yeah, at the moment, a... I feel like would be good per email. Uh, yes. I also like, I, I can share with you, can put in the, um, in the comments of this uh, podcast, um, like the link tree link. I don't have a website recently yes. at the moment you know we all sabotage ourselves in some way <laughs> and i have to say i'm very transparent <laughs> about this um, <laughs> i'm working on it for years and i still don't have a website people ask me for the website and that's so, okay but you can connect with me on the link tree there are links for my there you can see all the links like there are samples of uh, you know access to replays for guided meditations you can find yes. my youtube channel you can yeah. connect with me with current offerings and um, we can also like for people listening on this like i don't do this for um, normally for people that i don't connect with yet but just for people listening to this just to honor you for uh, spending the time to be with us today is like you can also write me an email and you can have access to an one-to-one -one consultation with me a clarity call many people also have a lot of um, aha moments and breakthroughs just by being in this clarity call so let's start and the i've been there and i did have that moment yes <laughs> let's, let's start the conversation you can write me and um I, we can start it from there so Thank my you. email That's address really is um, 
My email address is very simple, drmagdalenabaciu at gmail.com. We can drop that also in the in the comments. Yes, exactly. For spellings and things like that. I know with my, with my to, surname. <laughs> yeah, I'll be we very honored to hear from you and to support you. There That's are many amazing. ways to do that. Thank many you ways. so much. So, so much, Magdalena. It's been a real joy to reconnect, you know, after these years. It really has. It's just been really special to explore language you know interpretation you know and just I think again you, you've shown us how we can resonate with another human being you know you and I while not connected all the time can still connect on so many different levels and yeah. through this one conversation and I think you've really um, outlined that today and thank you for showing us a, a new way of living and um, what an invitation Thank yes. you so much. And I will conclude by saying that what is the outcome of new way of living in one word yes. <laughs> after the whole conversation in one word, this is true freedom. It's freedom. Yeah. Freedom. My fav favorite words in the world. <laughs> it's freedom. This is and freedom. I've even got it written on my AirPods. Wow. <laughs> you see, we did. I didn't even know this. And always that, that this is when you know that you have the you access the right map. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Magdalena. Thank it's been really so special. Much. Thank you so much. Thank you. So honored. Thank you so much.